Chelsea. I'm Andrew. Welcome to Hugging and Learning, a podcast where we look back at very special episodes of the 70s, 80s, and 90s to see what they can teach us today. Today, we are doing an episode of Designing Women, which I'm extremely excited about. We are doing season three, episode six. The episode title is Hard Hats and Lovers. This was written by the show's creator, Linda Bloodworth Thomason. The original air date, December 19th, 1988. And unfortunately, you cannot currently watch Designing Women anywhere online. This is one of those things where if you're in LA, check out the Paley Center. It's a shame. This should be somewhere oh my gosh. all the time. It should be on the Smithsonian Channel if they had such a thing. <laughs> Designing Women ran for 163 episodes, seven seasons between 1986 and 1993. So let's talk about Today's this snack. snack is staring in my face, yeah. so we got to get to this. Miles picked this out, our director, yeah. producer, You're welcome. Snack audio chooser. engineer. Um, these, Andy, do you want to describe what we have in front of us I'll here? I'll give it a shot. They're called Hershey's Bites, y'all. They're soft donut bites with a sweet and creamy chocolatey filling. 18 of them in the box, and the back says that uh, they're perfect uh, anytime snack. You yep. find them in your freezer section. Sure. One more thing to say about them. They are a mouthwatering combination of sugar and creamy <laughs> chocolate filling, all packed into a warm, delicious bite. Yeah, that's right. We had to do a little bit of work here. These had to go in the microwave for 30 seconds. You got to keep them frozen. until. So why would you give me this box to read? No, I'm... <laughs> they've got sugar and enriched flour, please. Give me that back. Okay, uh, let's Hugging eat. and learning nutritional facts. <laughs> all right. Let's do it. go ahead and say if you have the opportunity get yourself an actual donut hole um these are if you want to experience this here's what you do (laughs) you can make your own hershey's bite at home take a little bit of cake and drop it accidentally into an entire can of frosting and then eat all the frosting at once and you'd be like was that cake oh sorry i have diabetes now (laughs) it was if you're at the supermarket where we found these there's going to be... There's going to be a million things that taste yeah. better. Anyway, folks, so we looked at Designing Women. Yeah, I'm real excited about this for a couple of reasons. One is that Designing Women was a show I watched as a kid. I watched it with my mom, and it was a different kind of show for me than like A Boy Meets World or Say by the Bell, which were about kids when I was a kid. Yeah. This show is about adult career women. Yeah. And so watching it, my mom, her friends really liked it. Because it's sort of a realistic and sympathetic and loving depiction of the South mm-hmm. set in Atlanta. And along with Murphy Brown, this show gave me a glimpse of life as an adult woman that was really positive, was really career focused, sure. especially on this show. It's Julia Sugarbaker, who's Dixie Carter's character, is famous for her feminist, independent, intellectual speeches that she gives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this was a show that influenced me as a kid, but in a like, that's what it is to be an adult way. Which is always a nice thing to see, especially when it's not adults acting like kids. And that's right. the point of it. This is the literally the first time I've ever seen the show oh. in my entire life. And I am dismayed that there's not a lot to make fun of about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a legitimately good show. Yeah. And so 
I'm just going to pack up my snark in my little hobo <laughs> bindle bag and I'll just keep on trucking the rails until I find something ridiculous to make fun of. The show was created by Linda Bloodworth Thomason, who mm-hmm. is the greatest of all time For and real. a shiro. It was announced in August that Sony is doing a reboot of Designing Women with LBT at the helm. It's great. Which is going to be awesome. Have you done um, any casting on that yet? No. In Great. fact, Sony has not even confirmed. Oh, really? This is all just conjecture. From what I read. Okay, no, that's I'm, fine. I don't have an inside. This is just my Googling. I am very excited about that. And I'm also excited to plug for you the Hollywood Reporter op-ed that LBT wrote and published on the 12th of September about now-disgraced CBS head Les Moonves, who apparently just kind of railroaded her career. This is kind of insane. The deal she gets is insane. So she she created Designing Women, which was a huge show for CBS. And then she created Evening Shade, Mm -hmm. which was, at at the time of this deal, the best new comedy of the season. And the CBS chairman and president at the time, Howard Stringer and Jeff Sagansky, loved Designing Women. They quoted her lines. They gave them carte blanche to tackle any subject on the show. Absolutely. And they do, including sexual harassment, domestic violence, pornography. Mm -hmm. Um, And if CBS hadn't signed her after these two sitcoms, my mom would have signed her. Yeah, (laughs) mine too. My mom Um, would have given her all the Rocky Road ice cream she had in the freezer. (laughs) And notably, a lot of the times when Designing Women tackled these major issues, including an entire episode about Clarence Thomas's Supreme Court nomination, LBT herself wrote the episode. Including this one, Including this one. So, in 19 1995, Les Moonves took over CBS. She had this incredibly valuable contract. It was the largest writing and producing contract in the history of CBS. $50 million, five new series with hefty penalties for each pilot not picked up. So this is like... She was given a pet unicorn, right? She was. $50 this million. Is the sweetest deal somebody can give you, and yeah. it signifies, like a holding deal, like something else like that, it signifies, we are going to work with you. We don't want you to go other places, mm-hmm. so we promise you we're going to work with you so much that if we end up not working with you, we're going to give you a ton of yeah, money. Yeah, we'll be penalized. Yeah. Basically, she outlines in this Hollywood Reporter op-ed, and I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, the thesis of it is not all harassment is sexual. Yeah. Basically, Les Moonves comes in, and he won't greenlight anything she brings in for seven years, and he won't let her out of the contract, so she's basically a hostage. He but also doesn't make it clear why yeah. he's doing that. It's just things aren't good enough, but he leads her on to thinking they're good enough, and they just, oh, it just fell through. Right. His casting mantra, to quote her— his mantra, I was told, was, why would I cast him if I don't want to fuck him? Yeah. So he's simultaneously sexually harassing some women and then kind of professionally cock-blocking other women. Uh, truly. And then a very interesting thing that she writes is that she remembers walking the halls of the CBS building and seeing large portraits of like Lucy and Ethel and all of these inspiring women, brash, interesting comic women, Mary Tyler Moore and Rhoda, Maude, Murphy Brown, designing women, all these female characters that had appeared on CVS and paved the way for women to be single and career women and get equal pay and have rich lives. Yeah. One day she's walking down the halls of CBS after he digs over it and notices that the portraits of all these iconic women had been taken down. Yep. She said, I don't know why and I didn't ask. I just know that the likes of them have rarely been seen on that network again. Thanks to Les Moonves, I can only guess they all became vaginal swabs 
in crime labs on CSI Amarillo, Jeez, which is one of the funniest lines fucking line I've ever read. So Oof. LBT, L- Linda Bloodworth Thomason, she is a shero. She is a goat. Um, yeah. and, and she is going to bring more designing women back to us in the near future, we hope. And there's no way to talk about this episode or this series without talking about her. I- I'm telling you right now, this is going to be a lot about not only the sexual harassment that's in this, but based on this story, we'll also be discussing like the ramifications of all sexual harassment, yep. how they culminate. Especially um, in this moment we're living in now, in sure. the age of Me Too and Time's Up. And the, the reason that this seems particularly pressing is Les Moonves, after his years of being head of CBS and basically doing these things with impunity, has been let go yep. just recently. But this one is going to be maybe, let's say, just like a little bit more grounded in the present. Yeah. Day, late 2018 well, worlds and yeah. our normal episodes. And I think you know, now this means something different. Mm-hmm. Now they're introduced, talking about a subject that is now, you know, something we are all dealing with, or we're studying like the roots of a, a very commonplace problem in today's society. So that's one of these folks. But don't worry, this show is also incredibly hilarious and smart. Our show or Designing Women? Oh, oh yeah, Designing Women too. But. <laughs> Um, So, in case you are like Andrew and hadn't previously watched an episode, this show Designing Women is about four independent women and their handyman who are running a design firm in Atlanta. Yep. It was a show that a lot of women thought was pretty amazing. It was a huge, huge, huge hit at the Mm. time. The lives of the women at the center of the narrative are complex. They're a little bit older. This is not like a friend scenario where they're all in their 20s trying to figure it out like three of the four women have been divorced or widowed mm-hmm. going into the series so they the the three women and one man work together at an interior design firm in Atlanta Georgia called Sugar Baker and Associates mm-hmm. Julia Sugar Baker is played by Dixie Carter she's outspoken and intellectual and feminist Delta Burke plays her sister Suzanne Sugar Baker who is an ex beauty queen she's a silent partner in the firm she's flashy and self obsessed and they are constantly at odds the yeah. sort of more pragmatic sister more feminist sister and the sort of former beauty queen sister. Annie Potts is the head designer. Her name is Mary Jo Shively. She is a single mother. She's very pragmatic. And then Jean Smart plays their office manager, Charlene Frazier. And Charlene is sweet and a little naive. And Misach Taylor played the firm's handyman, Anthony, who had a very interesting arc. He started off as a delivery man, eventually becomes a handyman, then a partner at the firm. And by the end of the show, he's completed law school. So he goes on a real long arc. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah. The show is a sitcom for sure, but as we said, it never shied away from tackling controversial topics like AIDS and societal attitudes toward being overweight and spousal yeah. abuse and mm-hmm. homophobia. I would say even this episode is yeah. something I don't I don't know that is ever talked about, especially yeah. for its time. Eighty eight. Yeah, well, this, this is, is a, definitely a time where the prevailing wisdom would be like, ah, you're making too much out of this. This is not yeah, a problem. Well, women. I mean, you know, catcalling was an accepted way of life in 1988. Think you could major in it at some yeah, you colleges. Could, absolutely. In New York University. <laughs> hey, I'm walking Ayo. here. University. Um. <laughs> IWHU. <laughs> we need sweatshirts. <laughs> we do. The IWHU weasels. <laughs> no, they have to be the cats. The dirtbags. <laughs> they have to be the cats. So that at all of our games where we just 
we just leer at cheerleaders. <laughs> we can be like, hey, everybody, do yeah. a cat call. Ah, <laughs> oh, I need it. <laughs> oh my god. Let's get into it. So, I I feel like you could sum up the ordinary world in the opening credits, which I have one word written down about: classy. It's a jazzy. Sort of cover with no vocals of Ray Charles's Georgia on my mind. That's what it is, yeah. And it's just these very sort of like classy They're and elegant, alluring, yeah. elegant portraits of the women. They, they looked like a, an and Annie Anthony. Leibovitz fashion yeah, shoot. Yeah, with like, a, shoot, with like an 80s lens on there. Oh, there's a sepia tone to it. The episode opens and pretty much with a few exceptions, the entire episode and most episodes take place at the design firm. Is this in a an, house? It's though? in an old okay. house. Yeah. yeah. The external location that they have for Sugar Baker and Associates and for Julia Sugarbaker's house are both in Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, and Julia's house is the governor's mansion. Well, there you of go. Arkansas. So the episode opens at the office. Charlene is on the phone with her boyfriend, Bill. They're all lovey-dovey on the phone, oh. and Suzanne's eavesdropping. She's making paper decorations for this benefit she's going to. So we, we established the ordinary world that Charlene and Bill are very cute, and they mm. love each other very much. And, and Suzanne is a bit involved with other people's yes, lives. And Suzanne eavesdrops and gives unwanted advice. Charlene comes over to help Suzanne with the decorations, and Suzanne says she would invite Bill and Charlene, but the party is for country club members only. Yeah. So, I'm going to say this, by the way, as somebody who'd never watched this episode before, all TV sitcoms are always striving to tell you on every episode what the normal run of things are, mm-hmm. usually in very clunky ways. But look... This is a couple that's very, very much in love and somebody who's eavesdropping and getting involved. That's all I need to know. Yep. And that's what's going to inform the rest of this episode. Yep. It's masterfully done in yeah. like a minute. The ordinary good. world is set up beautifully. Charlene is helpful and loving, and Suzanne is a busybody and belongs to a country club that other people aren't invited to. Yep. So <laughs> something up pretty well. And Charlene reveals a bit of information here that's important, which is that Bill has never dated anyone but herself and his late wife. Yep. This doesn't bother Charlene at all, but Suzanne says that if Charlene and Bill get married, he'll have been deprived of playing the field and he'll always resent Charlene yeah, for every it. road of Bill just getting married to her is resentment. Yeah. He should be sowing his wild oats. He should be like seeing what he's going to be. He, he know that he's not missing out on something. Right. Suzanne's been married three or four times. So she's the expert yeah. on this. This kind of sticks in, in Charlene's brain. This, yeah. this, this thought that maybe Bill is going to resent her if he doesn't get to play the field more. She and, does. It's really well done. She denies that this is an issue, but we end that conversation on, oh, maybe. Yeah, so this neatly sets up both our ordinary world in terms Mm. of the hero's journey and our B storyline. And then we have a call to adventure. We have the inciting incident of the episode. Do Do we have a cat call to adventure? Oh, my God. Did, I'm sorry. Am I the only person who wrote that down? Well, I was going to get there. Oh, okay. Cut this out. I want Chelsea to feel good. Julia and Mary Jo arrive, mm-hmm. and they open the door amid a hail of cat calls from the construction workers across the street. Yep. We're told that the women are subjected to this every day. They want it to end. They seem more annoyed than scared of this attention, although Mary Jo does say she wishes she could gun them all down. Also, what are we doing here? Annie Potts, who I love yeah. very much. Ghostbusters, yeah? Yeah. Oh, such a crush on her as a kid. Mm-hmm. And now, fuck it. Uh, <laughs> so she is like, those cat calls make me have a daydream where I wheel around and I've got an M16 
and I pointed at all of them. My face is covered in fur. Yeah, that was weird. And I have a bit of saliva coming off of one fang. So is she a lady werewolf in this as well? Covered in fur thing is a little weird. It's it's kind of odd. I don't I don't quite get it. Maybe it's a reference to something at the time, which there are plenty of references to things at the time. Anyway, so she has a dream about killing people, and I wrote down violence is not the answer unless the question is the hundredth time you say how far do those legs go up? (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) And then violence is the answer. The only answer to that question. Um, apparently, the one giving Julia the hardest time today was wearing a No Fat Chicks t-shirt. Remember that? He's the ringleader. This is something the women deal with daily, have been dealing with. They are at the end of their rope, and they want it to end. Yeah. In terms of a hero's journey, it's a collective kind of like the women versus the men across the street. It's less about one person having to overcome them and more about like how as a species are we going to deal with this threat sure. to our species. Well, speaking of the threat to all of us, is there's one thing that I am confused about mm-hmm. to meet my quota of things that I'm confused about. And Chelsea, you and your husband, Miles, both lived in New York, which is the is where catcalling is manufactured mm-hmm. and then distributed to the rest of the world. True. There is a line here where they've obviously been being harassed for days and days now by this group. And somebody says, now they're making some kind of hissing noise. What Does anybody know what that is? Like, what hissing noise are you going to make at ladies? I don't know. Let's just try it. Oh, it could be that thing where you're, you're doing like the... I like that. Yeah, I don't know. No, that's the Hannibal Lecter thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That's if you're trying to call some fava beans in a nice Chianti. I don't know what, I don't that, know what that does though. What does that do? Maybe it was a, a thing at the time. I don't know. Oh, maybe they're oh, maybe they're doing the this stove is hot. Ah. Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. yeah. That could be it. You're hot. That could be it. Sizzling. There's an interesting moment here where Suzanne says that Julia always gets that treatment because of the cocky little way she walks. This, this is, is her sister talking. Interesting. But this is important because I think that a lot of time women do lay mother women for for things that are not to no, do that's with. Fair. So I'm glad that this little bit made it in. And Julia fires back that it has nothing to do with the way she walks. It has everything to do with a culture that encourages men to treat women like public sexual objects so that they can feel superior. It is ahead of its time. Yeah. This thing. And this Mary Jo. And Mary Jo adds a woman should be able to walk down a street any way she wants even if she's a nymphomaniac and naked. This is what designing women is famous for. This kind of like, let's identify a problem and then have women speak very intellectually and no nonsense and no apologies about it. And not just play to a joke about this horrible thing that happens, which is what everybody else did for, you know, the last billion years. So then Anthony enters. Julia reveals that she has a plan. Yes. She has a plan to deal with this She has the most Southern plan imaginable. It is. You know what? I'm going to do, I'm going to be polite. Kill them with kindness. Kill, literally kill them with kindness. Julia has this plan where she is going to invite all of the construction workers over tomorrow morning for donuts and coffee. Yeah. Thought being, if they get to know us, they'll be too embarrassed. To treat us like To meat. treat us like, you know, objects instead yeah. of people. I, it's a solid plan. Yeah, Mary Jo thinks idea. it's a great idea. Charlene and Suzanne thinks it's a terrible idea. Julia wants Anthony to give the men a little speech about how it makes him as a man feel to see his female co-workers demeaned in this way. Exactly, which Anthony is Anthony very is nervous about. unwilling about this. It's an interesting thing because then when we get there, we see Anthony giving this speech. It's like, why are they all silently letting this man talk to these men about this? But the only thing I can think is that 
first of all, they're going to try several more things before the end of the episode. Yeah. And secondly, they feel like maybe they've they've been dealing with this for weeks, we hear. They've come to the end of their rope, and they're like, let's maybe they'll only listen to a man. Yeah, and maybe that's a begrudging kind of, if we come in, they'll just think we're nagging. It's right. never stated specifically. Yeah. But no, Anthony's very nervous, and he wants to refuse this cat call to adventure. <laughs> if nobody else is going to keep saying cat call to adventure, then I'm going to say it all the time. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that is... We're we're off to yeah. we're off to the races now. We've stated a problem. We've stated the social impact of that problem. Congratulations, this episode of TV. Right. And then we have a solution. We've also presented numerous other solutions, which is I dream about murdering all of mm-hmm. them. Just ignore it. And then there's something wrong with it. And Julia's like, here is a reasoned yeah. response to this. Yes. So now we are fully in the special world in terms of the hero's journey. And we're about to cross the first threshold and in- answer the call to adventure in the B plot line. Right. Charlene and Bill are having a romantic night in, in front of an actual fire. Yep. Charlene says, how can we have any kind of future if you don't have any kind of past? Mm. Suzanne's doubts and worries have gotten to her. Yep. She's been turning this over in her head. And Bill says, are we having this conversation where you're telling me to date other people because you have met someone else you want to date? And Charlene says, no, no, I've dated around. I I, I don't wonder. And he kind of passive aggressively slut shames her. Yeah, a little bit like, what do you? I wish you were less familiar. Exactly. I wish you'd wonder more. And then he says, "I'd feel better if you hadn't gone out with the entire like navy fleet or something." Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. It's and real. she is rightfully offended. I mean, I was rightfully offended. Yeah, about and this. she goes to leave, and he apologizes. Yeah, it's so easy in sitcoms to be like. I said this. I'm outraged, but they actually build it up. Also, the setting for this is such a right turn away. Like we are in <laughs> like a dimly lit evening yep. fireplace. It's like a little play happened in the middle of our sitcom. <laughs> I thought it was delightful. I was like, "Oh, where are we now? <laughs> Who's this?" Eventually, they settle on this plan where she says, "You need to date five other people mm. for me to be secure that you're the only one that I want." The and implication this being that seems insane, but he agrees. Yeah, and the implication being that she has dated five other people, so then they will be even, fair and square. What could possibly go wrong? So he agrees, and they make out. They sure do. Back to the office. It's the next day, and Charlene is setting up the office for toxic masculinity coffee hour. <laughs> Suzanne comes in. And donuts. <laughs> Suzanne comes in and reports that Bill has already booked a date with her friend Mimi. So yeah. Suzanne, whose entire idea this was that Bill was going to resent Charlene if he didn't date around more, mm. comes in and is like. Well, I hear that you it's and Bill are taking already. a break <laughs> yeah. because he's going out with my friend Mimi. This is, you know, Charlene's been at work 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, what? So we're fully in the special world now. The loving relationship that we started with is on a forced hiatus. And the biggest adversaries that the women face are being invited into the inner sanctum. Yeah. Everything is topsy-turvy. But we're all in an effort to solve problems. I mean, it's these are very active characters as opposed to passive characters mm-hmm. who are just waiting. Things happen to passive characters and they have to react. These are active ladies Wearing active lady shoes, yes, doing active, active lady, lady legs, hose. Charlene is sad about the news, obviously, that Bill is going out with someone else. But yes. Suzanne says, this is where the fun begins. Oh, my God. And she proceeds to get on the phone and set up Charlene with a date to the same country club dance that Bill is taking Which, this other woman to. As I mentioned, is also a costume ball where you dress up as your favorite Hollywood character. Yes. And the person that she has in mind for him, which is Randy Pennington, is, is going, going to dress up Mickey like Rooney. as Mickey. Not even a character. So he's just short. Just Mickey Rooney. Well, to be fair, she's, well, no, you're right. She's 
Suz- uh, no, Suzanne is going like, as yeah, Liz they're Taylor, dressing up but as, Liz Taylor as Cleopatra in their costumes. And Charlene goes uh, eventually as Marilyn Monroe in the Seven Year Itch. It's it's convoluted. Yeah, there's a joke in here that has not aged well, really, oh, about yeah. the fact that the last person Suzanne quote coached romantically transitioned from male to female under her great. tutelage. Yeah, but to their credit, no one reacts with disgust or anything. Sure. It's just sort of like the last person she coached went from Robert to Roberta. It is kind of saying, though, that she screwed up somebody so psychologically that they, they deserve to be a woman. Yeah, exactly. It's not a joke that's aged well. Not but at all. There's also a Mike Tyson reference in here that we'll just go right past. Yeah, yeah, which yeah. refers to Mike Tyson and his troubled relationship with Robin Gibbons. A knock at the door! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a knock at the door. And these construction workers... Are here. Yeah. And we immediately like jump ahead. Yeah. So Anthony is giving his speech. He is very nervous. Um, he's very nervous. He's giving his speech about how the men should stop catcalling the women. And the men are sitting on furniture, sitting on the coffee table, like putting their feet never up on seen shit. Furniture yeah, before. <laughs> shoving donuts into their mouths. And Anthony tells the men to think about how they would feel if someone made these kinds of remarks toward their wives or daughters. And they get super angry and he's like, Okay, don't you don't have to think yeah, about it. Yeah, which them. is this is an argument that is kind of problematic. People have this is an argument that I people agree. don't cut into anymore sure. because there was, you know, famously people will be like, oh, now that I have a daughter, I can't, I look back on my previous was a, work or last whatever. Last year, there was, a, there was a case where a politician said, as a father and yeah. a husband, as I have a wife and a daughter, so I can identify that this is bad, this treatment yeah. of Yeah, and it's like, oh, so the rest of us that are not your wife and daughter that existed before your wife and daughter can go fuck ourselves. Well, it's, it's, the, it's sort of emblematic, some of the trouble of our relationship. It, it seems that people only get sympathetic when they have a direct relationship to- their DNA to, is part yeah, of a woman now. Fucking Dick Cheney's only saving grace is that he's pro-lesbian rights because his daughter's a lesbian. I mean, yeah. it's like literally, you can't find empathy unless it's right. staring you in the face with your own eyes. Yeah. yeah. And also women spend, and people of color, our entire lives projecting ourselves onto the experiences of other people. Mm. Yeah, and I'm talking all the way back to like classic literature, mm. been a woman or a person of color. Sure. So we've developed that empathy muscle from our youngest days, projecting ourselves into someone else's experience and being like, oh, I get what that feels like. And the fact that men can't be bothered to do that unless they have a daughter is is sort of like, it's real easy. Just check it out. Yeah. Female Ghostbusters was good. Fuck off. Um, It's just the argument should be why don't you just do it? Yeah, because the argument should be human women being. are human and deserve not to be demeaned. And As I, a human being, you should be able right. to find empathy with other human you beings. You never hear a woman go, now that I have a son and a husband, <laughs> yeah. I realize that men shouldn't be pushed off bridges or whatever. Well, that's because men should be pushed. <laughs> so the Extreme. men, not surprisingly, the Neanderthals in this coffee hour, not like it's not going well. It's kind of odd watching Anthony speak up for the women and them just stand there silently. But as I said, I'm allowing this. It's because I think it's implied that the women have spoken up for themselves multiple times with no effect. It also, because we've jumped forward from the last scene, we can also imagine that the women that they also have spoke. started yeah. this and we're just at the end of their presentation, which is Anthony you know, mentioning all this stuff, but yeah. falls on deaf ears. Hard hats. Oh, man. Yeah. So Mr. As he's in, as he is credited in the as credits. As he's credited, yes. Mr. Mr. No, no Fat, fat chicks. chicks. 
says, do you want to say this? Because I don't like saying this. Do you have it written down? Oh, no. I don't want to read out any of the things no, no, that he I, says. I, 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 here, Miles is going to read this. It starts right there. So Mr. No Fat Chick says to Mary Jo, Fine as wine, got to be mine, because I'm in love with your visible panty line. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of rhyming in these cat calls. Do you kind of hate Miles now? Oh, he was just—he was just playing a part. Here, let's um, try it again. I'm sorry, I didn't put <laughs> in the enthusiasm you wanted into the. No, I'm no. so sorry. Alex. No, I feel gross. Don't look um, at me. Yes, yeah, so the Neanderthals <laughs> leave with more cat calling, hooting, burping, throwing their cups around. Nothing has changed. Nothing has been learned. We have not progressed at all. We are just out a bunch of pastries. And Julia says, as far as she's concerned, this is war. Yeah, um, and she hatches a secret plan, which we'll find about yes. later. In terms of the hero's journey, the group has faced an obstacle. They fought valiantly, but they have failed. The last bit before Julia hatches her plan is, Anthony says, not mm. only would they not want anyone to act like that around their wives and mothers, they wouldn't act like that if their wives and mothers were in the five-mile radius. Exactly. And Julia says, I think it might be time to write a little note home to Mama. Bum, 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 um, which in the best possible reminded way. me, <laughs> which reminded me of this article I read in the Guardian back in 2014 about this video game journalist named Alana Pierce. She would get these rape threats in her inbox all the time from she figured out mostly teenage boys, sure. and she would forward them to their mothers. Yeah, this is just quickly. I'm I'll put the link. I don't want to read you the whole article, but she says it was a way to try to reach resolution to productively teach young boys it's not okay to be sexist to women, even if they're on the internet. Women are real people. There should be actual consequences for that. So she went full Julia Sugarbaker sure. in that moment, and I think uh, it's pretty cool. The plan, as it plays out, is uh, we jump ahead. The women are pretending to have a furniture giveaway, an armoire, an armoire, and they're they've invited the construction workers back over, and they're like, "Hey guys." Fill this out. Make sure to put in the name of your mom or your wife or your sweetheart. Yeah, a woman has to win. Yeah, they, they're a woman nominating has to win. The, their wives and mothers and sweethearts. Absolutely, they're all putting all their information on these cards and giving them to her. One guy makes a funny joke about whose armoire because his son says free armoire, yeah. and he thinks that's somebody who's being held hostage. Yeah. Bill shows up, Charlene's Bill. He's Mm -hmm. confused by all these burly, sweaty dudes in the office. And instead of explaining what's going on, she takes it as an opportunity to be like, these are men I'm considering dating. Mm. And she asks him about Mimi and going to the dance with this other woman. And he says, I came to take you to lunch. And she's like, I'm very busy. And he doesn't. And so this is an obstacle. Now that we just re-illustrates for us how far apart they are from the lovey-dovey couple we saw in the beginning. We need to do something to get them back. So... We can cut to the next scene, which is this benefit. Yep. We are approaching the inmost cave. We see Delta Burke, mm-hmm. full on Elizabeth Taylor's Cleopatra, mm-hmm. which is glorious. Yeah, it is amazing. Because I can tell that Delta Burke loves what's happening here. <laughs> and sure enough, Randy Pennington, who is looks as dull as he is Mickey Rooney-ish. Yeah, and she's tall. She's like 5'11 or something. Yeah, okay. She's pretty tall and wearing heels. And it looks like Mimi and Bill are having that time up there. Well, it looks like Mimi is having the time of your life. She's laughing uproariously at whatever Bill is saying. And Charlene is even more jealous now. And Mm -hmm. I think that Suzanne convinces her that she needs to get out there and act like she's having a good time. Yeah. Because this is a thing to 
to win instead of an understanding to be reached. So she tries to Boys go can out. be revenge too. Boys can be revenge too. We learned anything from by the Bell. Mm-hmm. So she goes out there and tries to have a good time with this boring dude and it does not work out great. It's a shame because they love each other and Suzanne is giving advice for 14 year olds. Okay. This is just it's not great. Not great. Then little, like a little bit later. We jump ahead in time. We jump ahead in party. time. And there's a weird moment where Delta Burke is kind of dancing and the audience is eating it up. Yeah. My guess is that they were like, all right, start rolling. And then they rolled the music and Delta Burke starts dancing. And they left it herself, in. And they left. Yeah. So Charlie is having a terrible time. Randy Pennington has fallen asleep. Charlene comments that Bill has danced with every other woman here at least twice. And so finally... We have the big moment where Bill comes over and explains himself. He, he asks her to dance, yep. and Suzanne says, no, she can't dance. And Charlene practically jumps into his arms. Yes, um. Absolutely, because <laughs> she is sick of this game that she is losing, and she hates it. So Bill explains. I think it was really sweet. Yeah. Bill is like, look, you said I had to date five people. I don't want to date anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, I'm in love with you. And so what I did was I decided at this dance – I'm going to get to know five people as quickly as possible so you can count it as five dates so I'm done and I can be with you again. Yeah, and she loves this idea. She thinks that's sweet. She says, I've never loved you more. It is very sweet. He's basically like, I did speed dating here tonight. I talked to all these women. I hate everyone here but you. Can we please go back to the way things were? My my heart was almost warmed over. Don't take advice from Suzanne is the the thing we learn here. Yeah, so we're back in the office. The Uh, men have been invited over again. again. Rule of threes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Julia asks them one more time to apologize and stop what they're doing. Miss No Fat Chicks, I believe, is like, Gale, hissing noise. They react as we knew they would, very crudely. Right. And so, Julia reveals her master plan. Yeah, she says, you can come on out, ladies. And then their wives and mothers and sweethearts and female relatives and female uh, nannies and caregivers, I guess, who have been listening (laughs) upstairs, all come downstairs to, quote, spend some quality time with your boys. And the result is this parade of old ladies grabbing burly dudes practically by their ears and Mm. hauling them off for private dressings down. Absolutely. Around the room. For sure. And then Charlene and Suzanne get home dressed in their appropriately revealing outfits. Which actually makes no sense unless they've been out all night until roughly, what, 11 a.m. the next day or Or, something? more likely, they were like, hey, I had such a good time at the ball last night. I'm just going to wear my costume to work today. (laughs) And then they beat up on the front step and they're like, you did too? Oh my goodness. Um, So they come in and there's a nice final bit to wrap everything up so neatly. Right. There, one of the ladies is like, who are you? And they're like, we work here. And she's like, you might want to dress differently. And Anthony says, gentlemen, what do you think of their outfits? Right. And they say very complimentary and non-sexist Respectful, very demure response due to the presence of their mothers. And then I was like, well, what happens tomorrow when these women aren't around? But then I remember, oh, they have all their phone numbers like (laughs) and addresses. (laughs) They can call them anytime they want. Exactly. And I would argue that the lesson here is that women win by helping other women. This is a thing that the women were like, we can't solve this by appealing to the men. We can't solve 
solace by having a man appeal to the men. The only mm-hmm. thing we can do is is call in the reinforcements of other women that these right. men will listen to, which is kind of sad. And yeah. for the reasons we talked about, the fact that men can't recognize the humanity in women that aren't related to them directly. It's yeah. But I think it's still it's a fun visual to learn this lesson with that like these little old women yeah. grabbing these burly dudes these by burly the beard and being, being like, How dare you? Yeah. And scared. Yeah, and hopefully these women can now come to work unharassed. Which we assume is what's going to happen moving forward. And again, it wraps up so cleanly. Julia does her thing. She and Annie Potts get like their resolution. Mm -hmm. Two other ladies come in. Their friendship has been restored because they're both wearing their costumes and having a good time. Anthony has his, his final moment to be like, you know, I'm actually going to talk to these gentlemen and not be afraid of them. Gentlemen learn their lesson and we're all done. It's just... Wow, it's good. Yes. In case you need this, and I I would hope that none of you gentle listeners are cat callers or street harassers. However, in case you need but if you are, thank uh, you for subscribing. Please oh rate and review us five stars. Please go fuck iTunes yourself and Spotify. Um if, and then go fuck yourself. <laughs> but please um, keep if subscribed. You, <laughs> if you need information on why cat calling is not a compliment, mm-hmm. I would send you to check out the amazing organization Hollaback, which is an organization that is working to end street harassment, to understand the problem, to ignite public conversation and develop innovative strategies to combat street harassment. They have an app that is very lauded as a safety app. It's for reporting street harassment and talking right. to other people in your area. I'm going to definitely put the link, which is iHollaback.org on our website. In case you're wondering why street harassment is not a compliment, mm-hmm. I will refer you to this BuzzFeed article that breaks it down really well. I know that sounds kind of like a contradiction in terms, but... It's totally fine. So, catcalling, we don't like it. We've told you we don't like it, and that should be enough. Okay. However, in case you need to know why we don't like it, why it's not a compliment, it's alienating and embarrassing... It's not actually about the woman who's being catcalled, which is dehumanizing. It could mm-hmm. usually be any woman walking down the street, which means you're just a walking piece of meat. It's about control. Often the calls are demands or directives like, smile, come over here. Yeah. It's invasive. Someone's in your verbally in your personal space, not allowing you to just walk down the street unharassed. It's scary. Catcalls are low-grade verbal assaults, and you never know when they might turn into physical or sexual attacks. Women have been killed for not giving men their phone numbers, strangers that they met on the street. So no amount of street harassment is harmless. Yeah. Um, and, and the media making light of it is gaslighting. Yeah, or or saying that it's not a big deal, or that people are overreacting. Hundred yeah. percent. That's what gaslighting is. Yes. And dudes, I'm I'm just telling you, we have no idea how shit it is out there. It wasn't until a comedian's special that I found out about this trend, this long-standing thing that dudes do, where they'll just follow a woman. Just completely, just follow a woman. Just some stranger is yep. following you all of a sudden, and again. Here's the best way I've heard it put is picture the biggest, most burly dude in the entire world. Picture Dwayne The Rock Johnson, as one Mm -hmm. journalist put it. Now, imagine that right outside your house, Dwayne The Rock Johnson every morning asks you for change. You don't have to give Dwayne The Rock Johnson change. (laughs) You You don't owe him anything. But if he asks you every single day of your life... You're going to feel threatened and uncomfortable to mm-hmm. be in that situation. You again will never have to give him change, but the the threat will eventually become something that you feel. 
Yes. It's treating people like human beings and understanding that. And also, that. every once in a while, he kills someone for not giving them change. How about that? Yeah. Or every now and then you hear about a Dwayne The Rock Johnson somewhere exactly. murdering somebody. So and I, you never know if it'll be you today. Yeah, it could be you. Yeah. Who knows? It's this guy. Uh, you don't know him. Yeah. Other than from his fantastic movies. Like I love Dwayne The Rock Furious. Johnson. I get, why, <laughs> I get why we have to say that it's him because he's so physically intimidating, yeah. but- I love him. If you're listening, we love you. Oh, we yeah. know you're a feminist and you, I think and, Dwayne and the you are woke as shit. proud to be part of this <laughs> educational moment. So I want to put this back into a larger scope because we need to talk about what we learned from this episode. Yes. I don't think we can confine it to just catcalling and sexual harassment since we started by talking about the Les Moonves. Les Moonves's indiscretion and pattern of sexual harassment. And professional harassment. And professional harassment. We need to talk about what we learned in a larger scope. And here's something that I've I've been learning as we go on. This really solidifies this point. I have been somebody who has struggled with, not specifically when it comes to sexual assaults, definitely not, and sexual harassment, definitely not. But when artists act inappropriately, as long as it's outside of the criminal behavior or sexual harassment, I tend to be the first proponent of, yeah, they're acting weird, but... Need to separate the art from the artist. Here's the problem, and here's what I've learned through this experience and just everything else that's been going on for, for a year. We look at artists and we look at their discretions as separate things. And I think the driving force behind that is we want the art that they can produce. Roman Polanski is an amazing director, we think. So we have to kind of forgive him so we can mm-hmm. get these great things. Woody Allen... True or untrue, I don't know that it's ever been settled. That sort of thing. And all of the sexual harassment is coming to late. Chris Brown, for fuck's sake. There is Even Roseanne Barr. Let's throw a woman in there. How about Roseanne Barr? Absolutely. There's such a large push to spare artists who commit these indiscretions from any sort of repercussions because we want the art that they provide. However, this instance should teach us more than anything else that what you are doing by excusing that behavior is limiting the amount of art we can get from a society that is sexist and professionally sexist against people who could produce wonderful things. Les Moonves took over in 1995. If this woman, uh, say her name again, because I was Linda Bloodworth Thomason. If she had been able to create sitcoms in 1995 that were an extension of what we saw in this episode in her series, she would have advanced television leaps and bounds ahead mm-hmm. of where we are now in this amazing age of television, not only as far as like smart, intelligent media, but also socially responsible media mm-hmm. as well. So by trying to excuse the behavior of artists, you are promoting a society in which other artists are not allowed to flourish. And it's irresponsible, and the only reason it isn't brought up more often is because we don't see what we're missing. But all it takes is to look at an instance like this, understand what we lost, which is at least three other sitcoms Mm -hmm. that would have gotten us further along in our artistic medium as in television, and know that that's not there now that's because a great point. one man had the power, abused it, was sexist. We are all hurt when that attitude is allowed to continue. Yes. As she argues, he sets his network back. He takes yeah. this momentum of all these funny, driven, 
uh, amazing dynamic female characters and flushes it down the toilet. It really does. Um, I will also add, as you know, from personal experience, I guess it doesn't matter if I talk about this, even though I'm currently in bankruptcy proceedings with this, but I I sold a pilot about two years ago that was going to be my first big TV thing. Mm -hmm. And then it... Uh, it fell apart and I never got fully paid for it because I sold it to the Weinstein company. Yep. So now I'm in bankruptcy proceedings with that. So I know firsthand what it's like to like lose a huge professional opportunity over something a creepy man did. Absolutely. That was a hundred percent not your fault. Never met the man personally, but his repercussions were so vast and far reaching that at the very beginning of my TV career, I had this enormous thing drop out from under me that I thought was a sure thing through no fault of my own. And as somebody who works in casting, trust me, you and your demographic going and buying a thing influences all of the decisions Mm -hmm. in Hollywood. Casting is made based on, well, we want to cast this actor because audiences are this. Mm -hmm. If you are part of that audience doing that, you know, uh, supporting a certain thing, Hollywood will listen because all they care about is money. And that's how you can vote for our type of art in this culture. This has been such an empowering episode. We've done great. I feel like we have Linda Bloodworth Thomason to thank. I feel like we have Julia Sugarbaker to thank. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like we don't have Hershey's to thank because no. those things are gross. Hey, no thank you, Hershey's. As far as hugging is concerned, I'm going to do an unprecedented both. I want to hug the creator of this mm-hmm. series. Oh, God. Without a doubt. <laughs> just Not just like a pity, oh, I'm sorry things happened to you. But no. Jesus like Christ. Like you're an amazing, you're an amazing force person. of nature. And in 1988, you were making amazing television and yeah. God bless you for yeah. it. We are better people and our culture is better because yeah. of the work that you um, did. But I also kind of want to hug Charlene and be like, don't listen to Suzanne listen anymore. To Suzanne. She's been divorced like four times. I kind of want to hug Bill because it's like, way to go, dude. Yeah. Turn this Bill put up around. with a lot of shit. I also want to hug. Episode. Yeah, let's just hug fucking everybody. Everybody, even not the, the construction constru- workers. Even the construction no. workers. Mm-mm. They turned it around there at the end. I don't know them anything. Okay, that's fair. Come on, don't you want to <laughs> hug me a little oh, bit? Hey, bring it down, hug it over here. <laughs> <laughs> why is your face furry? Why is this <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll, we'll see you next time. <laughs> next time. Chelsea, what do we watch next time? Next time, we are going to watch Family Matters Season 8, Episode 7, Stevel. It is the first of our two very spooky Halloween episodes. And it will be the beginning of our listener drive, Click or Treat. Click or Treat! Uh, Be sure you tune in. Be sure you check out our website, huggingandlearning.com, for info on Click or Treat. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be a big old prize package. It's going to be fucking awesome. Yes, absolutely. Tune in.